Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name's Eric, and I want to welcome you to church. If this is your first time, whether in person or online, let us know by sending us a message online or by filling out the Connect card on the seat back in front of you. Our service will begin shortly. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good. Have you been enjoying this rain we've got? Yeah, see, everybody wants to complain when it's dry, like we need rain, and then when it finally does rain, you Nebraskans, we want it to be hot, and then we want it to be cold, and then when it's cold, we want it hot. We can never decide what we want, uh, but it's good, to, it's good to see you, it's good to be with you this morning. Today, we are going to continue our series entitled Refuse, and we've been, we've been studying and looking at the life of Samson, and if you've been here the last few weeks, you know we've... We've talked a lot in, in Samson's life so far from what we've, what we've seen and what we've read. Uh, it's kind of like one of those car accidents, one of those, one of those train wrecks that you can't help but look at. And, and I'm thankful that, you know, in, in our lives, there are times where we learn lessons and we learn what to do. How many of you have ever learned what to do? But then there are also times where you learn what not to do. Has anybody ever learned what not to do? You've done something or somebody around you has done something and you look at that and it's like, well, now I know exactly what not to do. And Samson's life is, is kind of that don't do this warning for us. And, uh, and so we've, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, first week we said we need to refuse to compromise, how that Samson as a, a Nazarite set apart from God was not to touch any dead things. He's not to, to drink any alcohol. He's not to cut his hair, but he begins to, to make these compromises in his life. Last week, we saw how that he was really controlled by his emotions. He refused to take responsibility for his actions. When things around him started going wrong, it was always somebody else's fault. And he was boastful at the end. And, and last week, we said we need to, to refuse to be okay with immaturity, that those are signs of immaturity. We are all called and created to grow, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally, relationally. Every, every part of our being is created for growth and healthy things grow. We need to, we need to, to refuse to be okay with, with immaturity. Today, we're going to, to continue the story. And again, my, my disclaimer, my encouragement to you guys is let's not Let's not allow Samson's story to, to cause us to get to a place of judgment of Samson. It's easy, it would be easy for us to read this story and say, well, Samson, how could you? How could you do this? How could you do that? But, but it's, it's, it's intended for us to use to evaluate our lives against. God, is there anything in me that you need to change? There were things in Samson that needed to be changed. God, is any of that in me? Is there any piece of that in me that you want to Get rid of. And so today we're going to continue the, the story. We're going to pick up in Judges chapter 16. We're going to begin reading in verse number four. For those of you that have your Bibles, you can, you can follow along. If you don't, it will be on the screens for you. Here's what the Bible says. It says that sometime later, we're not told how long, but, but sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. How many of you guys have ever heard of Samson and Delilah? Right, Many of us have, most of us have. I would venture to say, even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard of Samson and Delilah. If, if for nothing, nothing other than a cautionary tale of be careful who you date. Right, I can't, I can't tell you how many times growing up my parents were like, be careful, she might be a Delilah. 
It's a cautionary tale. And so many of us have heard of this, this story, Samson and Delilah. He, he fall, falls in love with this woman. Verse 5 says that the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, for those of you that have been here the last couple of weeks, does this sound familiar? Samson in love with a woman, the, the townspeople going to this woman, asking this woman, get information from Samson and we will reward you. It's exactly the same thing that happened last week at that, that, that we, we read about. And so, so give, we'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah comes to Samson and she says, please tell me what makes you so strong and what do it take to tie you up securely? Now, let me, just, let me just pause here. We're going to continue a second, but let me pause here. Delilah doesn't know what makes Samson strong. The Philistines don't know what makes Samson strong. Only Samson knows what makes Samson strong. And what makes Samson strong? The Lord. Absolutely. It was his hair, yes, but it was his hair as part of a covenant relationship that he was in with God. And as a result of that covenant relationship, God gives him supernatural power and, and strength. And so if, if she didn't know what made Samson strong and they didn't know what made Samson strong, that leads me to believe that when you looked at Samson, Samson didn't look like all that much. Anytime you see Samson portrayed in a, in a picture Bible or in a, in a film or a movie or anything like that, he's always this this massive guy with these muscles. Now, let let me ask you this. If you saw a guy walk in like that, let's say this guy walks in, he's 6'3", 250 pounds, just muscles everywhere, resembles me a little bit. I'm just just kidding. (laughs) Let's say somebody like that walked into church. Would you look at that person and say, I wonder what makes him so strong? You wouldn't have to ask that question. But if, if Peter Parker walked in here, and he's, he's, or Nathan walked in here, and he's, you know, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, 130 pounds, soaking wet, and he was able to do things that you didn't expect him to be able to do, you would look at that person and say, I wonder what makes him so strong, because he doesn't look like he should be able to do that. Why are you telling us this? Because here's the thing. A lot of us pray, God, make me strong. When really all we want is, God, make me look strong. Make me look good on the outside. Make me look good to everybody around me. When everybody looks at me, let them think how strong I am. Rather than, God, make me dependent on you so that my strength doesn't come from me, but my strength comes from you. So when I go through hard times, people will look at me and say, man, I don't know how he's holding it together. I don't know how she's okay with that diagnosis or that report from the doctor. I don't know how they're able to get through this as a couple. Why? Because it's, it's the strength of God in me. It's not what you see on the outside is what God's doing on the inside. Are you with me today? What makes Samson so strong? Tell us, find out for us. We'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver each. So she comes and she says, please tell me what makes you so strong. So verse seven, Samson replies, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, 
I would become as weak as anyone else. Now, did he tell her the truth or did he tell her a lie? He, he lied to her. He kept it for himself there. Before we get into it too far, let's just, let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to do in us what he wants to do in us today. God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we just ask that, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal things to us. God, that you would open up our own eyes, that you would open up our hearts, that you would open our ears, that you would, you would do exactly what you want to do in us so that you can do exactly what you want to do through us. God, we want to be strong in you, not just the appearance of strength, but God, we want the strength that comes not from our abilities, but the strength that comes from intimate relationship with you. So draw us close to you. God, as we take a step, we thank you that you take a step. God, we just want to be close to you today. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. As we, we look at Samson's life and as over the last couple of months I've been, been studying the life of Samson and reading about the life of Samson, there are several words that continue to, to come to my mind as I think about Samson. The first one was, was compromise. We see compromise time and time again in Samson's life. As one not supposed to be marrying Philistines, the first thing he does is I, I, he sees this Philistine girl and says, Dad, I want to marry her. Go get her for me. And as one not supposed to touch dead things, he's scooping honey out. And as one not supposed to drink, he's throwing himself a party. And time and time and time again, we see compromise in Samson's life. But the, the, second, the second word that really comes to my mind when it comes to Samson is complacency. Samson was, was complacent. And I feel like that's, it's important for us to, to understand because I feel like there's a lot of us who have a tendency to allow complacency to creep into our lives if we're not careful, if we're not vigilant, if we're not on guard. It's easy for us, especially as Americans, especially as those who, who are as blessed as we are, to become complacent and get to this place of complacency. Now, pastor, what does, what does it mean to be complacent? Here's, here's the definition of complacency. Go ahead and put that up there. To be complacent means to be content with oneself or one's merits, often without awareness of potential danger or defect in ourselves. To be, to be complacent means to be, to be comfortable, to be content, to look around at what I've done, to look around at what I've achieved and what I've accumulated and say, you know what, I'm good. We, we take our foot off the gas, we turn it on coast, we, we, we recline the chair of our lives and we say, we're good. And we, we are completely unaware of either deficiencies in ourselves or dangers that are going on around us. This morning, we see Samson in another compromising position. A second time, his, his first relationship, his arranged marriage, the woman comes to him and says, Samson, tell me the answer to your riddle. You, you haven't even told me. You must not love me because you haven't told me. So he gives in and he tells her. And we, we learned last week what came of that. It didn't work out well for anybody. Nobody won in that in that scenario and in that situation. And, and the first time he was in a compromising position, the only thing that was on the line was 30 pairs of clothes. Now Samson is in another compromising position. And it's not just 
a few, a few clothes or, or a wardrobe that is on the line. It's his very life. See, the longer you allow yourself to be put in place in compromising positions and situations, the stakes will only get higher and higher and higher. Young person, that compromise might, might just be small now, but if you, if you get comfortable there and you continue to live a life of compromise, then it won't just be a little thing or a medium thing, but, but your decisions begin to carry more and more weight. And if you're not careful, the stakes will continue to get higher and higher if you're not careful. See, we see, we see Samson get to this place of complacency. Now, why is complacency so dangerous? I want to give you a few reasons why complacency is dangerous in our lives. Let's continue the story of Samson. Delilah comes to him, asks, what makes you so strong? His response is new bowstrings. Tie me up with new bowstrings. And, and if you do that, I'll become as, as weak, <laughs> as weak as any other man. Notice he didn't say as strong as any other man because other men are weak. So I'll become as weak as any ordinary man. So what happens? She, she calls out that night. She ties him up with the bowstring. She calls out, Samson, the Philistines are here. He wakes up, breaks the bowstrings, and she starts crying. You don't love me. You're messing with me. You're, you're toying with me. You're not telling me the truth. Why do you continue to lie to me? Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong. So here's what Samson does. He says, okay, here's, here's his next answer. Go and put that next verse up. Samson replied, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that have never been used, it wasn't the bowstrings. I was just kidding about the bowstrings. This time I'm telling you the truth. If I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak, again, as anyone else. See, he's here. She asks him the question, where'd your strength come from? It's new bowstrings. Okay, tries that. No, that doesn't work. Well, what is it? Okay, see, what he's doing is he's playing this game of how far can I take it? How far can I get? And what happens is when you get complacent, when I get complacent, what complacency leads us to, complacency will lead you to a place of vulnerability in your life. Complacency will make you vulnerable. Vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy, vulnerable to slipping and falling, vulnerable to making those mistakes that you swore you weren't going to make, that you were never going to do. Those things you said you would never do, you find yourself doing when you're in a place of complacency. Why? Because it makes you vulnerable. She comes and says, Samson, what's the secret of your strength? What should Samson's answer have been? None of your business. Don't worry about it. That's not for you. That's not for you to know. I'm not giving that up. Why? Because you're trying to get something out of me that will lead to my destruction. You're not, you're not asking for my benefit. You're not even asking for your benefit. You're asking for ultimately my destruction. He was vulnerable in this moment. Why? Because he was okay with being complacent. He was complacent because he was comfortable. Be careful when complacency and comfort meet. Anytime you find yourself comfortable in your life, you need to ask yourself why. Because comfortable is one of the most dangerous places that you can be. Why are you comfortable? See, there's a couple of reasons you could be comfortable. You could be comfortable because you're well defended, or you could be comfortable just because you're careless. When I go to sleep at night, I'm able to sleep peacefully, soundly, don't have to worry about anything until my cat comes knocking at the door at three o'clock in the morning, but that's another story for another day. 
But I'm able to sleep comfortably in my house. Why? Because I know that the doors are locked. I know that I'm safe. I know that I'm secure. I know that that I'm protected. I know that I'm guarded because I've fled the blood of Jesus over my home. I'm able to sleep comfortably. That's different than sleeping comfortably with the doors open and the windows open and the garage door open, just ignorant and careless. That's two different reasons to be to be comfortable. Why are you comfortable when you find yourself in that position? Be careful when comfort and complacency meet. We grew up in Albuquerque and, and there's this house down the street from us. We lived on a cul-de-sac. And for those of you that maybe don't know what a cul-de-sac is, it's just a fancy way of saying it's a dead end. In the neighborhood, it's a, it's a dead end. And at the house at the end of this cul-de-sac, there was this little annoying yapper dog that just sat out in the front yard and just all day long. You guys know that dog, right? Some of you are like, that dog lives next door to me. If that is your dog, keep it inside. But there was this dog at the end of the street just all day. And he would sit, he would sit on the porch. And anytime we would ride bikes by or we'd be playing football out there doing anything outside, he would see us and just all day. And so, so over time, we came up with this game. And the game was this. It was me, my younger brother, and then some of our friends who lived on the street with us as well. We would walk up to this house. And as we approached this house, the dog would go from laying down to sitting up, from sitting up to being on all fours. And he was, he was watching us intently. And there was this imaginary line that he had created in his mind that if we, if we crossed this line, he would chase us, but not until we crossed that line. And so the game that we devised was we would line up and we would all take a step towards the house at the same time and the dog would become aware and we would get to the point where the dog would then start to chase us and the winner of the game was the last person to turn and run. That's how you won the game. And so we walk, we walk, we walk, the dog starts chasing, and when the dog starts running, you're not watching the dog anymore, you're watching everybody else because you don't wanna be, you don't wanna be the first one to run. You wanna make sure they leave before you do, right? So we continue to play this game and we get closer and we get closer and we get away from the dog and we get closer and we get away from the dog and, and we're, we're beating this dog. Like this dog is the worst, the worst attack animal ever. And so we're continuing to toy with this dog and push it further and further. And we're getting further up the driveway and further up the driveway. And so one time we were, we were playing and, and my brother was, he had never won. He was the youngest of the group, but he had never won. And so he was determined, I'm going to win this round. And so we get closer, we get closer. The dog's coming, the dog's coming, the dog's coming. We all turn and leave. He's the last one to leave. He wins the round. But the problem is we had waited so long for the dog to come that he didn't stop at his driveway. He continued to chase us down the street. And as I'm running from the dog, I'm looking behind me and I see my little brother back here and the dog, the little yapper dog is right on his heels, just, and we're running and we're running and Jacob's running as fast as he can. And this dog reaches out, nips his, his, his ankle, Jacob's leg hits his other leg and he goes tumbling. And I ran over to my brother and I said, hey, at least you won. We never played the game again. (laughs) But listen, that story is a story that shows us what happens when we get comfortable with complacency. 
When we get comfortable in our own merits, unaware of the dangers around us, we continue to push the envelope. How far can I go? How far can I take it? How far can I get? How far can I go in this text message before too far is too far? How far can I go in this relationship before before it's too far? And we continue to push the limit and push the level until one day that sin will come and catch up with us. And we find ourselves on the ground, scraped up, bruised, battered, scars everywhere in our lives, wondering, how did I get to this point? You got to this point because you got comfortable and complacent. Complacency will always make you vulnerable. There's this cycle that we go on of compromising comfort and complacency. Anytime you compromise, you can either either allow it to take you towards conviction or your compromise can lead you towards comfort. When Samson compromised, there was no conviction involved. It just took him to a place of being comfortable with his compromise. At any point, Samson could have said, you know what, this is wrong. At any point, he could have said, I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe after burning the fields, he, he could have repented. Maybe after killing the thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, he could have said, that's a little too far. At any point, he could have allowed it to lead him to conviction, but he, he didn't. See, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says to be vigilant, to be on guard, to be aware. Why? Because the enemy of your soul The very one who wants to see nothing more than your destruction, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Be vigilant. How do do I resist complacency and comfort? Be vigilant. Be on guard. Be active. Always be looking. Always be asking, how can I guard myself today? How can I guard my mind today? How can I guard my heart today? How can I guard my eyes? How can I guard my ears? How can I guard my family? How can I guard my kids? How can I guard my marriage? Do we even ask those questions or have we gotten so comfortable in our lives that it's just like, you know what, let's just coast today. The more we coast, the more we open ourselves up to the attacks of the enemy. Young person, don't get comfortable with those conversations around the lunch table. Don't get comfortable being okay with the things that your friends are talking about. Parents, don't get comfortable in your marriage. Young adults, don't get comfortable dating the way the world is dating. Don't get comfortable compromising because everybody else is. Don't get comfortable doing those things. Those of you watching at home right now, don't get comfortable sitting on your couch, watching church rather than coming and being the church. Don't get comfortable because your comfort will lead you to a place of compromise and compromise will lead you to complacency. The second thing that we see that complacency does is complacency will keep us stuck. It will keep us from learning the lessons that we need to learn. So now twice, Samson has fooled Delilah. Twice he's told her the wrong answer. Twice she's called out to the Philistines. Twice it hasn't gone her way. Look at what happens next. Let's continue the story. Then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? Be careful who you're intimate with. Be careful who you share your secrets with. Be careful who you open yourself up to. I had a conversation this week about intimacy and And I explained it like a bowl of Skittles, that every conversation you're giving a Skittle to another person. Every every time you open yourself up, you're giving them more and more 
of your Skittles. And when I'm out of my Skittles, I'm out of my Skittles. And, and I have to be careful who I give my Skittles to because am I giving them to somebody who is going to, to take care of them and entrust me then with, with their Skittles? Or am I gonna give my Skittles to somebody who's just gonna let them fall all over the ground? Samson takes his whole bowl of Skittles and puts them in Delilah's lap. And it's like, Samson, what are you doing? You don't share your secrets with me. You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him. Listen to this. Those of you laughing were here last week. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Ladies, I told you last week, don't play that game. Don't play that game. She tormented him with her nagging day after day after day until he was sick to death of it. Those of you that weren't here last week, let's just flip back one chapter and I'll show you you what happened. Go ahead and put that next verse up. This was the first time Samson was in this position. He's at his wedding. He's told the riddle. She's come and asked him, what's the answer to the riddle? Finally, on the seventh day, he told her the answer. Why? Because she was tormenting him with her Nagging. See, Samson has compromised. Samson has gotten comfortable. Samson has become complacent. Samson has let his guard down. And so the lesson he should have learned here, he didn't learn. So the very next time he was put in a situation where somebody was nagging him and he was tormented him, he was tormented to death by it, he hadn't learned the lesson he needed to learn there. So now he's going through it again. Complacency will keep you stuck where you're at and keep you from learning what you need to learn. If Samson wasn't complacent, you know what Samson would have done? The, the, the moment that, that Delilah started nagging him, you know what he would have done? I've gone through this once. I'm not going through it twice. I've dealt with one nagging woman and it led to nothing but pain for everybody involved. You know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and remove myself from the situation before things get a little bit out of control. He would have learned his lesson and acted accordingly. Instead, in his complacency, in his pride, in his trust of himself, he he allows himself to be put back in that position and, and doesn't even... He doesn't even change. There's no lesson learned. Listen, if you find yourself going through the same thing over and over and over and over again, it might just be because you've allowed complacency to creep into your life. A lack of deficiency, a lack of, of, of awareness, a lack of understanding what's going on around you, Pride in yourself, contentment with what you've done and what you've achieved. Complacency will keep you from learning those lessons that you need for where God is wanting to take you in the future. We find ourselves walking around the exact same thing. It's like a merry-go-round that we just jump on and we we go for a ride. Like we were here before. Yeah, we were six months ago. I was here with my kids before. Yeah, you were a year ago, but you didn't learn then what you needed to. So now you're going through it again. We were just here a year ago in our marriage. Absolutely. And we find ourselves back here again. Yes. Why? Because you didn't take any of the advice that people gave you back then. Because you didn't hit your knees and seek God and commit yourself to him. You continue to live in that, that lifestyle of compromise and look where it's gotten you right back to where you were. 
Well, things were going good for six months. Yeah, they were, but none of those changes were lasting because you're doing it for the wrong reason. You were saying, God, make me look strong rather than God, let me be strong. Keeps us stuck. It keeps us from learning what we need to learn. Third thing that complacency does, complacency leads us to compromise. Now you're like, Pastor John, we've already talked about compromise. Yes, but I want you to see the progression of compromise in Samson's life. Let's continue, let's continue the story. Finally, after all of the nagging, Samson shares his secret with her. My hair has never been cut. And this is the part of the movie where you start yelling at the screen. Like in Karate Kid where Johnny's smoking in the bathroom and Daniel puts the hose over the shower. It's like, Daniel, what are you doing? This isn't gonna end well for you. Samson, what are you doing? He says, my hair has never been cut. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Three times he played with her. Three times he messed with her. Three times he, he misled her. But again, we see him ruled by his emotions, tormented and annoyed at the nagging. And what does he do? He gives in to her request and gives her everything. Here is the secret of my strength. If you wanna get rid of my strength, here's what you must do. You must, you must break and not just compromise the covenant, but you must break the covenant that I have with God. See, the compromise in Samson's life started, what was the first compromise he made? The honey, right? The, the, the honey, when he scooped the, the honey out of the carcass of the lion. First compromise that Samson made, the honey. Who knew about the honey? Nobody, just Samson. Samson and God were the only one that knew about Samson's compromise. The second compromise that Samson made was what? The party, drinking. Who knew about the party? Those invited to the party, probably 40, 50 people. Bible tells us that there was like 30 in his wedding party. So maybe there was 30 in her wedding party. I don't know anybody that, that has that big of a wedding party, but hey, go for it. So let's say 60 people. 60 people knew about Samson's drinking. So it went from nobody knowing to a group of people knowing. Now he gives up the secret to, to the strength. He says, shave my head. Who's gonna know about the shaved head? Everybody, if I walked in here next week with a shaved head, you would all notice. You would all recognize it. You would all say, Pastor John, did you lose a bet? What, what happened? Everybody would know. If Samson's head gets shaved, everybody's going to know about it. Look at the compromise. It goes from only me and God knowing to me and a few people knowing to then everybody knowing. Compromise never starts that big. Compromise always starts in here. Compromise will always begin in here and only you and God will know about it. And if you're not careful and if you don't deal with it then, then it will progress to, well, those really close to me know about it. They know something's going on. They see something, they've said something, they've recognized something. And, and if, if you don't deal with it here, it's gonna get to the point where everybody's gonna know about it. Why? Because your life is spinning out of control because your marriage is falling apart, because your kids are, are going crazy, because your, your job, you've lost your job now. And, and all of these things begin to, to unravel and unwind in your life. And you look around and people are watching this saying, how did it get to this point? There were no warning signs. No, there were no warning signs because there was many compromises in here before it even got to that point. 
Complacency will lead you to, to compromise. This cycle, this, this cycle of complacency and comfort and compromise, it always, it always leads to death. It will never lead you anywhere good. And you need to understand, the cycle, you can jump on this cycle anywhere. You can jump on at comfort. Comfort will lead to complacency. Complacency will lead to compromise. You can jump on at compromise. And compromise will lead to comfort. You'll get comfortable in your compromise and your comfort will lead you to a place of complacency. So just because you're like, well, maybe I'm not comfortable. Okay, but have you compromised? Because comfort would be the next step for you. It's a cycle and, and, and you can bounce back and forth between all three of them at any given time. But if you're not careful and you don't deal with it and if you don't jump off that cycle, it will always lead you to death. Verse 20, she cries out, she, she, she cuts his hair. She cries out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. Three times he misled her. She tied him up with the bowstrings. Samson, the Philistines are here. He woke up, broke the bowstrings. She tied him up with the rope. Samson, the Philistines are here. He woke up, he broke the rope. The third time he said, if you, if you weave my hair into your loom, then I'm like, come on. That's not, that's not even a real thing. But she tried, I'm gonna try everything. She wove his hair into the loom, closed the show, woke up. Samson, the Philistines are here. He tore the thing apart, didn't work. Three times it didn't work. This time she cries out, the Philistines are here. When he woke up, he thought I will do as before and shake myself, I will do. I will do as before and shake myself free. It wasn't God, it was me, I did it. There's his pride and his boasting coming back in again. I will do as before. Listen, just because you got away with it once, just because that dog didn't trip you up the first time, just because your sin didn't destroy you the first time, just because your spouse didn't find out the first time, just because young person, you got away with it, doesn't mean that you can continue and continue and continue because eventually it will catch up to you said, I will do as before. I've been here before. I've done this before. I know how to get away with this. I'm smarter. I'm smarter than they are. I'm stronger than they are. I will do as before, shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. That is where we find Samson today. Samson, the one who the angel came to his mother and said, you are gonna give birth to a son and he is going to judge Israel and he's gonna deliver them for a period of time. He's gonna be this mighty man, but you must not let him touch any dead things. You must not let him drink alcohol. You must not let him ever cut his hair. He's gonna be this incredible man that thousands and thousands of years later, people will still be reading about your son. Samson, who, who accomplished all of these incredible things, now we find him in prison with his eyes gouged out, forced to grind grain. Samson, how did it get to this point? Samson, how did you go from where you were to where you are today? He would say, it's because I started with a little compromised. Because I was walking along a path one day and that honey looked good to me. So I stopped and I scooped up some honey. I didn't think it was gonna hurt anyone. I didn't think anyone was gonna know about it. But, but in that compromise, I got comfortable. So I threw myself a party. 
And then my comfort led me to complacency. And I put myself in compromising positions that made me vulnerable time and time and time again. And rather than being vigilant and rather than being on guard and rather than taking care of the covenant that I was in with God, I I treated it as nothing. I gave it all up for nothing. And here I find myself today. We read the story of Samson. It's like, Samson, how could, like, how could you? How could you get to that point? But how many of us have been to that point in our lives where we look back and we say, it's because, because of one small compromise that I made back there. It's because I started compromising then and got comfortable with it. Luis, you can come back. How many of us are there right now in our lives where, where everything is a mess and beginning to unravel and now it's not just us that know about it or a few people that know, but, but everybody knows about it. How many of us can relate to Samson? We read this and it's like, man, that sounds like my life story. Revelation chapter three, there's a letter written to a church that, that was in this compromising position as well. And God writes this letter to this church. And here's what he says. He says, I know the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Go and put that next part. It says, you say I am rich and I have everything that I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. We see all of these things in this verse. You've compromised. I see the things that you do. You're not doing what you should be doing. You're not doing what I've called you to do. You're doing what you want to do. I see the compromise there. We see the comfort. I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. I'm comfortable in my own merits. I'm comfortable in what I've achieved and what I've attained. We see complacency because complacency is comfort with unawareness. It says you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You don't, you don't see the situation that you're in because your complacency is blinding you. He writes to this church and says, I wish that you were one or the other, hot or cold. And sometimes we've used this verse to say that, you know, you have to be hot and it doesn't want, but that's not what this verse is saying. Saying that lukewarm water is useless. Hot water is useful. It's useful in healing. It's useful in, 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 in soothing and relaxing. Cold water is useful, refreshes you on a hot day. So be useful for something. Do something. Lukewarm water, I can't use that for anything. Just do something. Stop compromising. Stop being comfortable. Stop being complacent. And if that's you here today, I have encouraging news for you because here's what he goes on to say in verse 19. He says, here's the good news. I correct and I discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference, turn from your compromise, turn from your complacency. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you would hear my voice, and if you would just open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends do. He writes to them and says, listen, I know you've been compromising. I know you're comfortable. I know you're complacent. I see it. I've watched it. You don't realize that you're right on the edge of making some really bad decisions. You're right on the edge of losing everything. 
But the reason I'm here today is to encourage you and to call you back to me. I, I correct and I discipline, not, not to, to hurt you, but because I love you. And if you would turn from that and come back to me, then we could be in right relationship. Then we could be intimate as friends are intimate. Today, it doesn't matter how far down you've gone. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter what Delilah you've been lying with and giving your Skittles to. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far it's gone. Today, if you turn from that, you recognize that. You allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction in that area. Don't let your compromise lead you to comfort, but instead allow it to bring conviction, which leads us to Christ. Today, no matter what you've done, it's not too late. You can still turn. God is still knocking on your door and all you have to do is answer it. Stand with me this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wanna pray for you today. Two groups of people I wanna pray with. Number one, those of you that, as we look at Samson's life, you say, Pastor John, that sounds a lot like me. I've been making compromise. I've been putting myself in compromising positions and situations. And maybe it's just a compromise in my heart to where only me and God know about it. Maybe it's a, a compromise where there's a few people around me that know about it, or maybe, maybe everybody knows about it. No matter where you're at today, it's not too late. And I wanna give you a, a chance to come back to God. I wanna pray for you specifically. If that's you, I just wanna know who I'm praying with. If you would be honest and transparent and open enough to say, Pastor John, that's me. Would you pray for me today? Would you do me a favor? Just lift up your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All over the place. You can put it right back down. Anybody else? Pastor John, pray for me today. Awesome. We're gonna pray for you in just a moment. The second group of people that I wanna pray for is those of you that maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe you don't have the assurance of the, the strength that comes from relationship with God. Maybe you've been, you've been trusting in yourself and you've been, been trusting on your own merits and what you can accomplish. But, but today you recognize that if I continue to do it the way I've always done it, which is just me, I'm gonna drive my life to a place that I don't want it to be. I need somebody to take over. I need somebody to take control of my life. And that is Jesus Christ. And today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you want to make him the Lord and the savior of your life, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, young lady. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. For those of you that need to accept Christ as your Lord and savior, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Just ask that you would repeat this prayer after me. Church, would you help us to pray today? Just say, Jesus. Thank you so much that you gave up your life so that I could find new life in you. And today I declare, I am a sinner in desperate need of a savior. Would you come into my life, change me from the inside out, make me brand new and help me to live for you from this day forward, all the days of my life that I would bring glory and honor to your name, in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Lord, those that have, have confessed you as Lord and a Savior who, who believe, place their faith and their hope squarely on you. We don't wanna believe or hope in ourselves because we disappoint. But that, God, we thank you that you never disappoint. 
So Lord, I pray that you would lead them, that you would guide them, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them. God, for those of us here that many of us raised our hands and said, Pastor John, that's me. I've been, I've been compromising. I've been putting myself in these situations. I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm complacent. I don't want to be there. I, I want to turn back. I, I don't want to continue living this way, Lord. I pray that, that you would give them the, the humility to walk that out. I pray that you would help them to be vigilant, even as Peter says, to to be vigilant, to take guard, to stay alert, Lord, that that we would refuse comfort and complacency, but instead that we would take, take guard and take post over our lives every day. God, I pray that you would you would help us to come back to your word as the standard for our lives. That we would stop looking to our friends or stop looking to the world to tell us how to live or what to do or how to respond. But God, that we would come back to your word because any, any answer that we need is found in your word. So Lord, as we go from this place today, I thank you that we've gotten rid of compromise. I'm thankful that, that we've, we've sacrificed our comfort and we've laid our comfort on the altar. That complacency is no longer there. God, make us aware of anything in us or anything around us that is, is potentially dangerous or harmful to us and help us to keep our eyes focused on you. We love you and we thank you. We need you today. We need you tomorrow. We need you this week. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, some of our prayer team is down here. We'd love to be able to minister to you in that way. If, if you have any need, any, anything you want somebody to agree with you in, we'd love to be able to do that. If not, be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. Remember one service, 10 a.m. next Sunday. Have a good week. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things. Helping people discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. If you enjoyed today's service, we encourage you to check out our past sermon series as well as our discipleship classes. Give us a subscribe and we hope that we can help you grow no matter where you are.